Chapter Thirteen of Bonne Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bonne Marie: A Tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Greville. Translated by Marinelle Sherwood. Chapter Thirteen. Her first appearance. When it was known that Morissette had engaged a new attraction, the artist attached to his troupe became very curious. The men, contrary to the received idea, more curious than the women. But for Clotilde, who never left her, Bonne Marie would unquestionably have suffered much annoyance. At the first glance the lady called her an affected thing, and the men a beauty. Such contradictory opinions as these naturally led to many collisions. But the whole troop stood in wholesome fear of Clotilde, whose exceptional position and unrestrained tongue were for Bonne Marie the best possible shield and buckler. Several rehearsals were ordered that the new star might become accustomed to the orchestra and the glare of the gas. The important day at last arrived. Handbills were freely circulated. The milky globes surrounding the enclosure were more clear than usual, and there was a more liberal allowance of gas lighting up the dusky acacias. The floating dust of the summer evening was transformed to luminous vapor, and against this background the heavy masses of foliage and the tall trees stood out distinctly. Here and there branches caught the light from some candelabra, and displayed their delicate tracery even to their palest green leaves, as they waved in the air which was not so much the wind of heaven as the heated air from the gas burners. The enclosure was surrounded by evergreens, which were intended to protect the little theatre from profane eyes. That this intention was not successful was shown by the quadruple row of heads beyond it. There assembled regularly every night those persons whose purses were empty, and who obtained during the day only the smell of the meals at the restaurants, and by night only the echoes from the theatre, those who do not love work enough even to struggle on with it, that they may thereby win the means of enjoying a few hours of indolence, those who like neither the solitary fireside of the bachelor nor the crowded home of the married man, those who say every morning, Monsieur was not in voice yesterday, or Julia's ballad was hissed, thus giving themselves the air of men of elegant leisure. All the endless varieties of the same family were to be found in this spot, attracted by the handbills and the placards, but too poor to pay the entrance fee. There were also artists there, who came to catch certain effects of the light, for these places are not without their poetic side, as Alfred de Musset has proved to us. Beyond these heads, beyond the evergreens and the line of lights, people passing by caught a glimpse of a brilliant gulf, with beds of flowers each side, flowers which quickly withered in this unhealthy light and atmosphere. Beyond this was the stage, protected by its triple row of gas burners, and there, on this stage, set with scenery of trees and meadows, stood Marie, in white silk, her dress cut square and low over the bust. She was singing in pathetic tones, in which real emotion was so interwoven with the false and the assumed, that she herself did not know where the one began and the other ended. J'écoutais, monsieur en pour venir dans la grande ville. And there was a tear in her voice as she went on to describe the grief of the orphan as she met the cold looks of the hard world. She listened to enthusiastic applause from her audience, by the gesture and voice in which she, although dying of hunger, repulsed the gold, the price of shame. And these people, skeptics and cynics, applauded her with energy. Bonne Marie, without suspecting it, had infused a new element into the Ola Puridia of Parisian life. She had sung a moral ballad at a café chantant with success. It was an absolute ovation, 
vainly did her companions shrug their shoulders and turn their backs on the girl who had dropped as it were from the skies among them all true musicians recognized the peculiar quality of her fresh clear voice and all realized that there was something extraordinary about her a dignity and a charm which prevented her being approached other than with the most entire respect the amateurs and habitues of the place came of course to see this rising star or this budding star as a youth with a vast display of shirt bosom and hair carefully parted in the middle solemnly remarked to her bonne marie smiled and even exchanged a few courteous words with one and all but no one ventured on any impertinent familiarity how the deuce does she do it why is she so different from all the others said some to morissette hush said the astute manager placing his finger on his lips she is a young lady of the best possible family hush who makes her appearance here out of love of you hush heart of ice has never loved will not listen to one such word hush come now morissette let us be serious i am serious entirely so try yourselves gentlemen burn your own wings in the flame if you choose and morissette laughed softly and went off on the tips of his toes as if in a sick room the rascal he is quite capable of having put that clause into her engagement exclaimed someone who builded better than he knew that evening bonne marie returned to her pretty room on the fourth floor of a good house in a good situation it was a room for birds of passage which the coquetry and doubtful taste of third-class actresses on the topmost wave of success for a brief period had adorned and arrayed but it seemed to the young girl the very acme of elegance a carriage full of bouquets had been brought in and as she read the cards attached to them and breathed their perfume bonne marie's heart beat with a more exalted triumph than this apartment had ever before witnessed i am earning my bread honourably she said to herself a strong wind from the southeast blew against her imperfectly closed window the curtain swelled out like a sail she opened it leaned out and looked up at the sky over which black clouds were stormily drifting how high the sea must be to-night at almondville thought bonne marie she closed the windows and was soon sound asleep after her day of fatigue and excitement that very night jean baptiste who had grown indifferent and careless was nearly lost he and his boat together on the cove the most dangerous of all the huge rocks on this perilous shore and if he saved himself it was simply that his instinct of self-preservation was stronger than his love of life end of chapter thirteen recording by susanna mason